0: break every chain break every chain break every chain break every chain lord break every chain 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 come on shout it out break every chain lord break every chain this morning lord break every chain break every chain this morning lord Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, Lord, break every chain.
1: and worship, maybe some of us are in the desert, but we're asking today that you would break the chains as we lift our praise to you, Lord. We know that your Holy Spirit is here, so we just say total abandonment in our praise and worship, so that we can give you our best. In Jesus' name.
0: This is my All my life. just come we come with the
1: expectation god move that mountain god
0: The author of salvation and love you from the start. Waiting here for you with our hands lifted high in grace. Yeah, see those hands lifted high. And it
2: For you, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Father God, this morning, so very mindful, even as in the first century you spoke through the apostles, I think of Peter, who stood on the day of Pentecost and testified, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. And there is no name given under heaven and earth whereby man must be saved, saving Jesus Christ. Being brought before the council in Jerusalem, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. He said, if we are being called before you on a whose account that this man was made well, let it be known to all that it is in the name of Jesus Christ that this man stands whole before you, healed in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we we recognize and we acknowledge You are sovereign. You are all-powerful. And it is in the name of Jesus that we approach the throne of grace boldly in a new and living way as we have been encouraged by the Word of God. We come before You with hearts of expectation, anticipation, faith, that whatever we ask in the name of Jesus, any two touching a single thing, believing we receive, the Word of God says. And so, Lord, as we have sung this morning, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Father God, we approach and we ask that you would do just that even as Paul and Silas in the, in the chambers of the inner area of that prison, the inner cells, as they began to worship, the doors unlocked and flung open, the shackles upon their ankles opened up, and the chains came off their wrists, and they were liberated and free. Father, today will you break every chain in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, every addiction, every habitual behavior that is after the flesh, Father, today will you break in the name of Jesus for your glory and for your namesake. Father, for every illness and every disease and every sickness that is represented here or family members beyond these four walls, We pray, Father, that you would bring healing and restoration in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, will you speak your word from your throne and heal disease? Lord, will you bring even those that are sick, will you raise them up? We praise you and we thank you in advance, God. In advance. Thank you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. So we glory in you. And we give you thanks, for you are able and you are willing. Now, Lord, we pray for every man, woman, and child that's part of our fellowship. We ask, God, that you would, Lord, touch lives. May you meet every need of the inner heart. Lord, those those that are discouraged, those that are downtrodden, those that are in despair, those that are lonely, those that are, uh, Lord, in depression, God, would you raise them up in the name of Jesus. Will you set their feet upon the rock and make their footsteps firm, O oh God? We praise you and give you thanks. Lord, we pray for the body of Christ, the church, your church. We pray for churches in our community. Lord, we pray for new hope this morning. We ask for Pastor John and the congregation there. God, will you bless. And Pastor Clift right here at Valley View Evangelical and his congregation, your, your church right there, Spring Mountain Bible. Lord, happy Valley Baptist Church destiny christian fellowship father for sunnyside church for east ridge church lord for the arminian church that was once on 172nd now down on 81st street lord we pray for abundant life we pray for trinity baptist church up at the middle school god we pray for the churches on the other side of the freeway the all one churches we are asking god that you bless as the gospel goes forth powerfully and effectively to the converting of souls May the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ be proclaimed. And we pray for your church on a global scale. Lord, today as this is officially the last day of our 30 days of prayer, we bring all the missionaries before you. And we ask God that you would supply and provide, protect. And that Lord, more than anything, as they go forth proclaiming the good news, that lives would be changed as the gospel is preached So, Lord, we give you thanks. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning.
1: Ushers, I'm going to invite you to come forward as we spend time, just a moment in giving in our worship time putting God first in our tithes and our offering and also I'm going to invite you to put your praise report and your prayer request uh, in the bucket as it comes to you I'm just going to say let's just continually be faithful in our giving to the Lord simple today being faithful Lord God as the bucket comes around today may we put our tithes and our offerings in being faithful in our giving to you for the furtherance of the gospel This yes, your sovereign hand.
0: Yes, sovereign hand.
1: Are yours and you are mine. We just ask that you bless the remaining part of this service. We've lifted your name up on high in our praise and worship, and we pray it was a sweet aroma to you. And now may we have a ten of ears in our heart that would be broken by the word so that we can walk closer with you. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.
2: To be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Amen. I am thrilled. I'm challenged by the Lord even this week in a number of ways, and I am trusting that as you seek the Lord day in and day out, that you also are being challenged by the Lord. This morning we have a marvelous treat. We have friends, missionary guests from Chile. They're going to come in just a moment. Uh, But before we do that, real quick announcements inside your little worship folder here, your bulletin. There are a couple quick announcements I want to draw your attention to. Number one for the men, we have our men's fellowship breakfast next Saturday at Gloria's. Fellas, be sure to be there. It's going to be a great time of fellowship and hearing the word of God. There's a potluck coming up. Uh, well, it's really at the end of February to all of those who are in the 55 and above crew. If you were there last night for the movie, they were like 18 to 20 uh, watching a war room, and it was a great night, and so I want to encourage you to get connected with that crew. There is uh, coming up uh, our spring break short-term mission trip on the West Coast. It is Metro Capital Serve 2016. I want to encourage you. There's information in the back. I want to encourage you also to stop by the mission table. There is actually two missions table in the foyer uh, this morning. So following service, please stop by there. And today, by way of reminder, is our afterglow. It's the last Sunday of the month. And there are many from the fellowship who will be gathering over at Godfather's Pizza at about noon. And so I want to invite everyone to that no-host lunch. They do a nice deal for us. It's pizza, salad, and uh, drinks for about 8 bucks. So it's a great deal. So come out and be a part of that. All right, that being said, uh, will you this morning give an amazing hillside and warm welcome as our missionary, my good friend, Rick Ellis, comes to share from the Word of God, to share testimony about the work that God is doing in Chile. Will you give him a warm welcome as he comes to present the Word this morning? Praise God.
0: <laughs> Love you, brother.
3: Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Hey, yeah, thank you.
4: That's too good. Before I go over to do Children's Church, um, I just want to say two things. One is, when we left last time, it was our first time to go without kids, empty nest. And it was so wonderful that we could leave one of our kids here at Hillside Christian Fellowship. And I especially want to thank Pastor Morris and Dennis as well and your families for being so good to Daniel. So thank you so much for that, for being a family for him while we were far away. The other thing is, God is here. I feel his presence so strong. You guys are on the cusp of something amazing. And I just believe that. I know it's happening. And I want you, while you're listening to Rick, give these testimonies. Don't just think, oh, wow, isn't that cool what God did in Chile? Think about these testimonies about what is God going to do at Hillside Christian Fellowship. Is he going to do something similar? Think about that while you're listening to the testimonies today.
3: Okay, I think she stole my thunder. She's a hard act to follow. <clears throat> Good to be here this morning. I thank Pastor Dave for this opportunity. I feel that this is a sister church to our church that we started in Concepcion, Chile. Uh, as you guys have been renting these facilities for a number of years, we were renting a facilities up there, and I'm going to be sharing what took place. Uh Because I know that very similar something very similar is going to be happening here, uh, the eyes of this congregation are placed uh, on a permanent facilities, and there 's a challenge there 's a verse in Genesis, and through the video man, this is outside of the notes. uh yeah, just leave that projected for a little bit. The tower of Babel, I heard this in a message many years ago. I was actually starting out as a missionary. But uh, the speaker used the part where it says in verse 5, chapter 11 of uh, Genesis, uh, verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. Verse 6, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. I don't know if you can really understand what just took place in those words. The creator of the universe, the maker of man, the beauty that we see in every corner of this world, in creatures, and scenery, what we can't even see yet in the distant universe, came down to see what man was doing. And he gave testimony to his creation. He didn't say this about the birds or the elephants or the crocodiles or the chimpanzee or any other creature, but he said about man. If they come together speaking the same language and they put their focus, if a church speaks the same language and they set out to build to achieve there's nothing that can stop them except for confusing them in their language church you have to be united you have to be on board because God says you guys will do it you guys will achieve it It may seem something very out of reach today, and that's what I'm going to share about. We've been missionaries for going on 32 years now. I got missionary appointment when I was nine years old because I'm only 40 today. I just look a lot older than I really am, but my driver's license says I'm 39. We started out in 1984, and missionaries in Chile and Ecuador, uh, we have three boys. They were all born On the mission field, my wife is from born from missionary stock, from over born in Indonesia. My parents were missionaries in Latin America, but I was born in the U.S. In my family, I'm the only made in the U.S.A. Uh, All the rest are imports. I didn't want to be a missionary because I was a missionary kid. God first called me when I was about 12 or 13 years of age walking to school. It was about six blocks away, and I was just walking about halfway into my journey, just thinking whatever a little 13-year-old boy might be thinking. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something just kind of came through my brain that said, you're going to be a missionary. What 13-year-old is thinking, you know, what he's going to do when he's big? That's a long, many years away. And as quickly as it came in, I just kind of brushed it aside. That's ridiculous. I didn't understand missionaries were my heroes. That was my dad. That was his colleagues. I used to love staying up late at night when a missionary would stay with us and listen to my dad and them talk about tent crusades and evangelism and planning churches and teaching Bible school students and raising them up to be national leaders. It was all fascinating to see what God was doing. And it would keep maybe it was so fascinating that I could not see myself doing it myself, and so when the God called me to be a missionary, it was no i can 't do that i can 't preach i can 't sing i don 't play an instrument i 'm not going to teach. I have a hard enough time learning, so you know I, I I truly was debating i i I was getting convinced that maybe God had made his first mistake, but it wasn't a you know it wasn 't a, a sin that leads to death or anything like that. He was still God, but you, you knocked at the wrong door. I wanted to live in this country, close to my grandparents, uh, to my cousins. It's just a great country. Um, but when I was a freshman in Bible school, the Lord kept dealing with me. he It was like he left me alone for all those years in between. But it's all of a sudden, he came back, and uh, he said, Rick, I want you to be a missionary. And he dealt with me that first year in school. And I wrote my parents, who at the time were serving in Panama. And I said, Mom and Dad, I feel a call, and I accept a call to be a missionary. I knew they would be happy. And that kind of bugged me. Uh, So I, 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 I mailed it. But as soon as I mailed it, I started to wrestle with God. I wrestled with Him for six years. I finished my Bible school degree, met Laurel while... In college, and, and we talked about being a missionary. I knew I was going to be a missionary, but I was just looking for any way out. I wanted a different career. I felt my interests were in a different area. Until finally, after six years, the Lord convinced me by letting me know Rick, I know you better than you know yourself. Trust me. And I learned a lesson when that took place. You can accept God's will like I did. But you have to wrestle through it until you can surrender to His will. Do you know that God wants you to live a holy life? Do you accept His calling to live a holy life? Yes. Yes. Have you surrendered to that way of life? Well, I'm trying. I don't always quite make it. See what what I mean? We can understand and accept what God wants us to do, and we want to do it, but we don't truly surrender to it because we're arresting. Well, My circumstances are, are different. Uh, the Lord's given me a pass on this one. Don't, don't kid yourself. God's will doesn't change, and it's for one and it's for all of us. And he calls you to specific tasks. And you can understand, God's called me. But, you know, you have a serious, you know, I can't give. You know, I'm barely making it. I can't go talk to my neighbor or, you know, I don't know what to say. I tried it once and they laughed at me. They closed the door. And you make up all kinds of excuses like I did. The Lord knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He's not interested in your strengths. He wants to take your weakness and make you strong. He wants to use you to do great things. And he's going to use this church to do wonderful things. Yeah, uh, that's when we were starting out. I was so young. One lady called us Mormons because we're just get young, young, good-looking, our first little boy. And some of the churches we have planted and built, uh, Pastor Morris was part of that church on your bottom right, Arauco, um, several of the, 2003. For the last few years, we've been in the city of Concepcion, Chile. 350 miles south of the capital, Santiago, on the coast, we started a church, and we've had several locations. But for the for several years now, we've been renting a small storefront right downtown. This picture was taken the end of last year in November, <coughs> the very last Sunday that they used the, the location. Uh, it's only 1,500 square feet. Many of you live in homes that are bigger than our church. And we would have an average of about 170 people on a Sunday morning. We had two services. The first one had about uh, 60 people, and the second one, 110, 115. Uh, chairs everywhere. There was not all this. the chairs started basically from the platform at the black line. And uh, we needed desperately to have a larger facility, we needed to have something that was our own. My wife is very good at just finding things, you know, on real estate and searching. She doesn't give up. She, she's a pit bull, and that takes a hold of it and goes with it. The real estate agents know her by name. And years ago when she started talking to real estate agents for this property for our church, uh, they would ask her, well, how much money do you have to put down? $80. Yeah, they, That's the reaction she said she got over the phone right before she heard a click on the phone. Uh, The years went by. The church was saving up their money to buy. And then we finally found this uh, in 2014, a piece of land that we knew that God had opened our eyes because it had sat empty for 13 years. We looked all over the city, and that place was there waiting for us to find it. And at the right time, I think God opened our eyes. To it. One of the problems I had is that I was looking for a piece of land for about 100000 Missionaries, we're not loaded. We go after those who are loaded. You. Yeah, really. We find the land, and we try and convince Pastor Dave, who convinces you, hey, I got this friend, a missionary, and he's got a great piece of land, and we got to help him buy it for $100,000. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that's that's the norm. Uh, but I, really, that, I'd never raised $100,000, and that was stretching my faith. And uh, when we went to – we drove around. Uh, that's our old facility. You can see how small it is. Here's the new facilities. It used to be the printing press for the city newspaper, the second largest metropolitan center of Chile, a major university city. So it was an important paper in the country, and – uh They outgrew their facilities of three buildings, like you see there in a little parking area. Uh, So they built a bigger facility, but they never sold that. It just sat empty for all that time. And Laurel found it on the Internet, and she said, let's go by and take a look at the outside. It was a rainy, winter, drizzly day, uh, similar to what we've been having here lately. And I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested in it. I didn't really want that particular neighborhood. I don't know why, but not not there. It was a good location, but uh, I don't know. But sometimes we guys give in to our wives just to get them off our back, just so they quit nagging. You know what I mean? So I went, okay, okay, we're we're going through it. We'll detour two blocks in, and, and we'll take a look at it. We'll drive home, and everything will be fine and dandy. Uh, we won't get a divorce. Uh, and we drive by the outside and yeah i wasn't interested one in that the price was 800,000. dollars. You know my budget at a stretch with a lot of faith is 100,000. And we drive by and but i got curious because i saw that there were buildings there was a gate and well what all is included is that building part of it or what about the other one and the one in the back I'm curious. So my wife just kind of continues. Well, let's talk to the real estate agent and get him to open up, and we can go in and see it. So we came back a few days later, a week or two, and uh, he opened up. And the moment I walked in, something just, I I just sensed, this is it. This is home. I forgot that it was over budget. Uh, But we started to negotiate. We lowballed him. Uh, I believe in miracles, but uh, we finally came to an agreement uh, of five hundred thousand dollars, half a million dollars. Back when we were calling and saying we have eighty dollars to put down, we now had two hundred thousand dollars saved. A pesos. It wasn't. Do, it was. It wasn't missionary. Money, it was church money. They were paying their rent. They were paying their utilities. They were paying all their expenses. They were paying an associate pastor, and they were able to say, we do garage sales, great garage sales. Um, that brought in several thousand dollars over the years. We do, we got to doing three garage sales. We had repeat customers that would ask, hey, when are you doing another garage sale? Uh, that's just a little bit of American culture influencing the people down there. Um So we had to come up in 12 months with $300,000. Well, you got a church of 230, you know, attendance of 170. Uh, That that doesn't sound too bad to us. The average income was less than $1,000 a month. I mean, the average income was better than maybe a few of you have, if you're still in high school. But... How do you live on $1,000 a month when the cost of living is 25% higher than it is here? When you guys were paying three bucks a gallon for gas, remember those days? It's cheap now, but you were paying three, three and a half. We were paying $6, six and a half. And the way the gas goes, everything else goes too. And, uh,. That kind of gives you an idea. Our church budget, you know, what was coming in in the offering plate uh, every month was on average about $6,000 a month. And that group was being asked to now come up with half a million dollars over 12 months. No interest. The seller says, okay, no interest. Uh, three balloon payments, three payments of 200000 hundred, two hundred thousand down. That, that in itself was a miracle to have that. Other pastors heard that we had saved up 200. How did you do that? I don't know. And uh, it was a big chunk, but I knew God was in it. I knew it wasn't just something that I. A twinkle in my eye. I knew. Uh, time doesn't allow. I got to get on with what's happening. Uh, the new facilities. The three buildings uh it was going to be seventeen thousand almost eighteen thousand square feet, going from one thousand five hundred to eighteen thousand square feet uh, it, it was this I was looking at your platform not the not the boxes in the back, just the platform area. this was the space we had for our Sunday school. it was in the very back of that little storefront you saw. And we'd get, you know, 8 to 12 or 14, maybe some up to 16 kids up here with a couple teachers. And they were from toddlers, the smallest toddlers right through the 12 years old. Uh, and on a hot summer day, because all they had is one single wide door, no windows. And they had to keep the door shut because just where your chairs are is where the sanctuary was. And so we couldn't have their noise bleeding over into our service or our noise Interrupting the teachers in there, so the door had to be kept closed, and these kids had no air, except for two, three-inch holes through the wall on the very back wall that went into the parking area of the building, interior parking. And I remember in the summertime, as pastor, going in sometimes just to check on the kids and see how they're doing, and seeing both holes covered by the faces of little kids trying to get fresh air. You know, it's exhaust from the parking area, but it was fresh. It was cooler. And even sometimes seeing the Sunday school teachers doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, that's what we had for several years. And we found this piece of land. And that was that, that verse in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, is what we challenged the people with. Uh, that we had to be united. We had to speak the same language. And as that last song we sang, to step out on the ocean's waters in faith. Where are we up here? That looks good. Um, the challenge God challenged me I know it was God several years ago before I started this church I was driving my speed the light car and thinking projecting I had a tent a crusade tent that can seat like eight, 500 people inside of it and I was wanting to put that up but something spoke to me and said Rick put your wallet away the wallet. You know, I know what the voice was saying. The missionary resources. Put the dollars away and let me do it. Let me do it. Sometimes I think we get so ahead of ourselves because we see the people as not having and being poor and we cast the burden onto pastors back home to help us and their congregations get the resources. And that's why... I never subsidized this church with missionary dollars. I taught them to give tithing, to missions, uh, love offerings, when we have a guest speaker. And, uh, and that's how that money, that 200000 built up because they learned to give. And then when it came time to buy, we just gave them a new opportunity to give a little more. And they took a hold of it. I want to talk to you this morning about looking at the path of a Christian. We arrived in August of last year after spending four years in Chile as missionaries. We do four years out of country and one year home, uh, visiting, doing what I'm doing now, uh, informing, challenging, and trusting that we can uh, continue partnering in missions because we only we can only go through your help, through your missions giving. Through your participation, and I am thankful that this church has been standing with us for many years and what i 'm going to share in just a few moments is what you have accomplished in Chile through your giving in Matthew chapter seven verses thirteen and fourteen, Jesus speaking on the Sermon of the Mount. I believe referring to me very obviously about salvation. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Other verses, There is a way that appears right to a man, but in the end it leads to death in Proverbs. In Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We came into L.A. It's a long flight, night flight. Sitting in coach, all cramped up. The person in front of you leans back and just smacks your knees, and you just, it's just miserable. It's a torture. If the Inquisition had hit airplanes, they would have put all the heretics in an airplane and flown them back and forth from the states down to Santiago. Uh, you're tortured, and you get to L.A. You visit family, you pick up your car, and you're going to drive back up to Portland to home. And the worst part of that whole trip, leaving Chile and getting arriving in Portland, was. I five, because I hate freeways. I mean, they're they're one of the necessities of life. We've all been on them. We we're on it. Pray every day, and some of you have done that I five corridor all the way to L.A. or San Diego, and you're just going. And you look over at the guy driving next to you. You know, yeah, this is fun. I hate freeways. And so I was looking at the map, and I thought, man, Highway 101 and 1, come up through California into the Redwoods, and come up Highway 101 in Oregon. It's all beautiful, seeing the ocean, spectacular views. And... But August, have you been on 101 in August? Have you seen the motorhomes and the fifth-wheelers, the old geezers that don't go over 25 or 30? It would take me, I don't know, two weeks to make it back up to Portland. And if you ever see a straight stretch to the pass, you know there's going to be a state trooper. Just waiting for I, I'd get two or three tickets. You know, th- there's just no way I can do it. Uh, then I discovered Highway 395, and I recommend it. it's just as long as I-5. It'll take you longer because you'll stop and take more pictures, and you'll enjoy life, and you won't be. <laughs> it's an adventure. I really because I like the road less traveled. How many people here like the road less traveled? And the rest of you are freeway people. the Lord calls us to get off the freeway of the world of life, the broad road, freeway, uh, and get on to the narrow path, the road less traveled for you know come in into a relationship with him that leads to heaven, for the other one leads to death. That's fine, but once we accept to start traveling on the road less traveled of salvation. As Christians, don't we construct our own Christian freeway? It gets wider and wider, more and more people, and we're just all kind of grinning at each other, you know, God loves us, and we're we're just going to heaven. But we're just in the routine of religiosity. And it's on that secondary freeway that the Lord will put up a sign and say, come this way. Trust me. I know you better than you know yourself. But we're just so comfortable on our freeway of Christianity. It's kind of a parallel freeway sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish between our Christian freeway and the freeway of destruction. We just kind of flow. God doesn't want us to flow. He wants us to achieve great things. I believe that with all my heart. There's a poem by Robert Frost where it ends saying, Two roads diverged in a wood and I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. I wanted to stay on the freeway of salvation and the Lord was it calling me to get off on the road less traveled as a missionary. And I didn't want to, but I say now it has made all the difference that I followed His direction. And I'm just thankful he was patient with me for so many years. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34. And this is very fitting, right, for this moment, Pastor Dave. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about. Really, I don't have time. My time is up. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Make a mental note of that. Whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign an army. Samuel did not. Plan on anointing a little pastor shepherd boy. He saw the older brothers who were bigger, stronger, and maybe even better looking. But God said, No, it's not them. It's that little. It's that little guy. And David was made strong. Out of weakness, made strong. Now, this is where I want to share the testimony. My wife was, and quickly, I got to go through this real quick. Omar um, and Kadi. Omar and Karin. Karin is a Christian lady who married a non-believer. I believe at the time he was probably an atheist. Maybe he has now moved into being an agnostic. Yeah, well, okay, God exists, but you know, there's no way we can really understand and know God. But uh, he comes to church with her. And uh, the way we bought this piece of property was what we call the faith promise. I taught him pray about this. Go to your prayer closet kneel, stand before the Lord, and pray, Dear Lord, what do you want me to do? Don't look at your wallet. Don't take an account, your bank account. Just ask God what He wants to do through you. And He'll give you a figure, and then come back next Sunday, and we'll fill out a card, and you can put your name on it, and what you feel in your heart through faith that He is telling you. We're not going to check up on you. This is between you and God. Your salvation doesn't influence. The, you know, if you give a lot, you're not going to make it to heaven any more than if you don't give anything. That's through grace, not through your giving. And we were going to do three of these every four months. One every four months, one for each of the payments over 12 months. And. Um, sh- Katyn, wanting to participate, she kind of hid her card from her husband and started to put down $2,000. He managed to kind of look over and saw what she was writing. And he goes, put down $4,000. The atheist telling the Christian, up your faith, 4000 God was stirring in his heart. He then wrote me in November when they inaugurated the new facility. We we remodeled a room that's about this size, uh, a little bit longer, but narrower. Uh, He wrote me a note after the service was over on a Sunday, and I was getting ready to cross the street to go preach at a church over in eastern Oregon, saying, Les escribo desatando un nudo en la garganta, lleno de gloria, que lindo está todo. For those of you that don't know Spanish yet, it says, I write to you, clearing the knot in my throat, full of glory. It is so beautiful. Omar, the atheist, seeing the glory of God. Uh, Ricardo and Ruth, A couple raised their children, solid Christians, very faithful to the church. Uh... He took an early retirement from a steel mill because they were laying people off. His job was secure, but his friends were getting laid off. So he was just full of stress and took a a retirement package early. And he gave in his faith promise that he had filled out before taking that retirement, $20,000. And those of you who are retired or, you know, you're not going to have that steady income like you did when you were working. And he knew it, but he in his faith, believed that God would be there at the time when he had need as the years went by. Well, what happened is that after a few months, after he retired, the steel mill called him up and begged him to come back to work for him. He said, that they never do that. Once you've left, you're gone. Especially now when they're cutting back, they're laying people off. They can't compete with products from China. Same thing that happens here in this country. Uh, they never do it, but It's not just that they call me back, they offer me a better job with higher pay. And instead of having the chain of command, several people giving me orders, I'm going to only have the plant manager and the owner that lives in Spain. He was happy. Rodrigo and Julia this is a young couple, they had a daughter. Uh, it was about four or five years old when they came. They they, they were Christians. They came from another church. They, had, they loved their other church, but he just felt God moving them. And they came right at the time we were starting to go into this indebtedness and pathway of faith. Just as we were getting off our freeway that we had created as a church and go the road less traveled. Not by sending and asking Pastor Dave and other churches to send us money, uh, but trusting that God was going to do it through us. And he shared the testimony during that year that when he first heard of this project and he saw the people we had and the financial level that they are, we didn't have wealthy people at all. He thought to himself, he says, You guys are crazy. You're insane. There's no way. You're crazy or you have a farkas in your church. Uh, that's Leonardo Farcas. He's in the news today down in Chile. Uh, Chilean friends on Facebook just posted last week a picture of this guy. He's, he's a Bill Gates. He's a guy that didn't come from wealthy family, but he struck it rich. He was born in 67. That kind of gives you an idea. You know, he hasn't reached 50 years of age yet, and he's, he's one of Chilean's wealthiest people, and he's a philanthropist like Bill Gates. He, whenever there's a need, you know for the poor build homes, uh, clothe and feed the, the, the orphans, all that, he, he always helps charity movements. And so this Rodrigo Sin, you guys are either crazy out of your minds or you have a farkas in your church. You have a farcas is really Bill Gates blended in with Donald Trump. He ran for president, he lost, but he ran for president. He's very popular, and he's very wealthy. So that kind of helps you. You have a Bill Gates, that's the, the daughter of Bill Gates that married the son of Donald Trump in your church. So he's going to get a fortune from both sides. And, you know, that's what Rodrigo said. You're crazy. Or you got this very, why do we always think that God's only going to use the wealthy people? When he took notice of the widow that came, not because of what she gave, but because of what she didn't keep. She gave it all. I didn't go choked up, though. I've shared these testimonies so many times because I was on the front seat watching what God did and how people stepped out in faith. What you see in that picture is Rodrigo and his wife filling out their faith promise card. It started small, but then it went increasing. They they gave more than they put on the card because his faith grew. He saw that God was doing something that he didn't believe could happen. Blanca, I gotta be quick on Blanca. Great lady, she's our treasurer now. She was wiped out in the earthquake of 2010 that would happen in Concepcion. It wasn't the earthquake that put her out of business, it was the tsunami. She was at the port city. And after her building got shook up, the water came in and washed away. It was a it was a bookstore for school supplies. And it just washed everything out back out to sea. She lost it. For five years, she did not have an income, didn't have the money to restart. And just before we started the purchase, that we'd already negotiated, and we start, but we hadn't started to pay on this, she got a job as an accountant at a construction company. And she realized later, God gave me the job so I could participate. By the time we ended that, those 12 months, she was giving 75% of her income. She was giving 75% of her income between tithes what she gave to missions, Chilean missionaries going to other countries, and what she was giving for the purchase of her church. She was she was a Baptist when she came, but she got saved with us. That's an inside joke. <laughs> we prayed for Baptist congregations earlier, but she came from a very a better to do Christian church than ours was, but she started coming to our church and. Uh, She gave 75%. I think if I was out without income for five years, I would have a lot of debt, and I would need a lot of new clothes and a lot of other things. I'm too poor to give. Let the wealthy give. She decided she was the wealthy and gave 75%. Um, And here, the heroes, I don't have time, but I'm going to take the time anyway. And sorry, Pastor Rickard, I know you want me to do it. Patricio and Sue. They were married about two years prior, a year and a half, two years, university students. She had just finished her master's degree. He was working on his thesis to get his master's degree. They did not come from wealthy families. They had nothing but school debt. They didn't even have jobs when they went before the Lord and prayed, What do you want us to do? And God told Sue to give 6000 and then 6000 and then 6000 and some of you are reaching for the calculator or your cell phone to try and figure out what that is. I'll tell you, God told him to give 18000 And that's the answer to Sue's. And I thought, why the difference? It's the same amount, but God had to tell Sue six, six, and six. And I know why, because women need to know the details. You know, and God knows, man, that if I just tell him how they're going to do it, 666, he'll be confused. And so I'll just tell him 18,000. Just cut to the chase. With here I got it. You know, okay, it's only giving six, six and six to somebody that doesn't even have an income and has nothing but university debt. Uh, Pretty amazing. They gave, they paid their first faith promise, $6,000. And they said, this was so easy they live two and a half miles from the church. They would come at least four times a week, pretty much every service youth, Bible study, Sunday, whatever. Uh, they're there. They don't have a car because he doesn't know how to drive. He's 29 years old. Never driven. Doesn't have a car. Uh, they take the bus. Two and a half miles and then two and a half miles. They decided to walk to church and walk home during this year so they could save that kind of money. She, They bought a quarter piece of chicken and she cooked with a quarter piece of chicken their meals for five days. You heat your water and you cook with a bottle of gas and when the gas is out you carry it out and buy another one. They decided to only cook with the gas and take cold showers. And I'm not exaggerating but my son's here in the wintertime, our weather is pretty much like it is today. This morning, you got up and took a cold shower because you want to have money that put in the offering plate for a year. And they said, Oh, it was so easy to get to 6000 Somebody gave them a whole chicken. It was a de feathered chicken and degutted, but it was just whole. They'd never had a whole chicken. And they have this little refrigerator, uh, let's see, move on, Uh, right in this bottom right-hand corner. It wasn't the subject, but beyond the sink, you see this little extension that looks like an extension counter with a microwave on top. That's a refrigerator. And it has a freezer, like, for two little ice trays. And so if you live on one quarter piece of chicken for five days, you're not going to sit down and eat one chicken. You're going to make it last a while. But it wouldn't fit in their freezer. So they deboned the chicken together. So so romantic. There in their kitchen, so they could stuff in the freezer pieces to save for later. It was so easy that they decided, instead of on the second faith promise of doing the six thousand dollars, they decided to go up to ten thousand dollars. They're in for a challenge. And when it came time to pay that second faith balloon payment, she was seen crying because she was only able to give $7,500. I don't have the time to tell you about these people, but I have to tell you. And right, you know, many of us would say after that experience, I'm discouraged. This isn't working. I'm going to go down for the last payment, only do $3,000. I'm going to play it safe. No they did their third faith promise for ten thousand dollars. they didn't let discouragement pull them down. They just went up when it was all said and done. God asked them for eighteen thousand they gave twenty one thousand dollars for the purchase of that property. Give the Lord an applause for what He did through them. Because I know that Hebrews chapter 11, though it's closed in my Bible, it's a runaway chapter up in heaven. And Pato and Sue and... These five testimonies I've shared only accounts for $60,000. And we raised $300,000. There's many others who gave beyond their means in faith, because they got off the freeway and took the road less traveled, they had the audacity to listen to the voice of the Lord. Oh, sorry, Dave. When it was all said and done, and they were given their tithing, their their giving report, what they gave in their tithes, what they gave to missions, and what they gave on their faith promise for the building, Sue added it up quickly. She, you know, she's got a master. She's a sharp gal. And she said, we gave it all. We gave 100% of our income. She was surprised. She wasn't bragging. She was. She looked at it. We gave 100%. It's easy. There's a, it was a true tithe. It isn't tithe after everything else has been given. This was a true tithe. And then missions and, and didn't even include the offerings that aren't given in an envelope. We gave 100%. She looked up at my wife because she's kind of a short How did we live? How did we live? And frankly, I don't know. I don't know. I would see them every week, several times, full of joy. And I don't know. At the time, I didn't know they were giving 100%. But they gave it all. And then she said to a women's meeting, giving her testimony, after this experience, Whatever the Lord asked of us, we will do. They got masters like in oceanography or something. You know, Chile is old ocean. And uh, they want to go to Bible school because they feel a call into ministry to be pastors. A missionary is sent to challenge people to believe to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to step out in faith, to get off the wide road that leads to destruction and follow the narrow road that leads to life. And I trust that this morning, those people that have been challenged by your missionary in Chile have sent the challenge back to you. What can we do as a church to reach the lost in our community and to the uttermost parts of the world? As we build, as we take a hold of what that the Lord has placed before us. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Trust me. If the Lord's been speaking to you, then go talk to your neighbor again. Whatever it be. Through giving, just Whatever. Get off the freeway, take the road less traveled. It'll make all the difference in your life and in somebody else's life as well. And the final picture, I think, is on there. Pastor Dave, uh, is there one more just to click through? No, it didn't come on that. Sorry. Uh, just a picture, different pictures, a collage of pictures. I'll bring it in, in five years. Thank you very much.
2: didn't know, I've heard those stories now twice, and I uh, I didn't know that I was going to cry. Jesus noted the widow, not because of what she put in, but because what she did not keep. She gave it all. great testimonies of faith. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, continues. I want to encourage you. We have a phenomenal mission family. Men and women who have given their all to answer the call of God to go. The beauty is we get to go through them. Rick and Ellis have been a part of Hillside's family from the very beginning of our fellowship, from the very onset, 11 years ago. I want to encourage you, they need our prayer support. If the Lord would prompt you to support them financially, we strongly encourage you. Again, I would invite you today as you're leaving to stop by our mission table. We have a missions table out there, and Rick and Laurel have a missions table out there. We're inviting every person at Hillside to adopt one of our foreign mission families or one of our local families, but that every one of us would adopt someone by way of prayer support and let the Lord stir your heart to engage financially as well and to be a part of his kingdom on a global scale. It really is epic. And I, I cannot tell you the joy to see what God is doing. I've been to Chile. We've sent a team down to Chile and uh, help and build that church with Pastor Antonio in Arauco, it's life-changing, and we get we get to do that kind of stuff, and uh, we get to be a part. So I want to encourage you to, uh, if the Lord's prompting you to stop by, and uh, maybe you'd sign a sheet and say, hey, I'm adopting Rick and Laurel Ellis. I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to believe God with them every day, and let the Lord stir you to engage. The other thing I want to do with you this morning, and just encourage you, we're in the process right now of a faith venture. We believe the Lord has spoken to us about the building that is down on 135th. We have already raised, in 2015, we raised about $90,000. And that is absolutely amazing. In fact, you should give yourselves a hand. That is just a great thing. Praise God. Praise God. It's very exciting. And much of that is and has been for the process that we are going through with the county, and there is money there in reserve right now for down payments and really the future construction of what needs to be done. We need to raise more money because we believe the work that we're to do on the building that we're to pay cash. We, we believe that we can do that, and we believe that we're supposed to. And so we are entering in, our theme for this year is a year of building. And we believe that part of that building is going to be in construction. And so we are starting the Heart for the House campaign 2016. It is our capital campaign from January through June 30th. And we are believing God for $100,000. And what we are asking you to do as a family member at Hillside to spend the next seven days between today and all the way through next Sunday to spend time with your Father in the secret place. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and close the door behind you and pray to the Father who is in the secret place. Jesus said of Himself, He said, I only speak that which I hear with my Father. It tells us that Jesus spent time in His room with the door closed. And He spent time with the Father. And the Father revealed things to Him. And of those things, that is what He spoke. I believe even as Rick shared, just as their congregation went into the closet, went into their rooms, and prayed to the Father that the Father spoke very specifically and the people responded. In case after case after case, situation after situation after situation, not a one of them would ever have penciled out. Not a one of them. It's faith. You may already be hearing a number in your mind and you may be already trying to justify that can't be it because it doesn't pencil out. I simply invite you to live by faith. I weep to hear that a family committed to take cold showers for a year to save a few dollars in fuel.
3: Think about that for a moment.
2: God, with God, all things are possible. Will you, with zeal, with joy, with expectation, even as the Word of God reminds us, God loves a hilarious giver. A hilarious giver. We look at numbers sometimes, we go, now that's funny. And he says, just watch, it will be funny, because it's going to be good. I invite you, it's going to be a great adventure over the next months and really over the next years. What God is already doing through our fellowship, I believe it is going to be magnified in many ways. And at the end of the day, the the glory will go to the Father and go to the Son and it will be through His Spirit. We have little promise cards like this. It just simply has our theme for the year, a year of building Hillside Christian Fellowship's Promise Center, Heart for the House 2016. And on the back, it has a place for you to write down whatever the Lord lays on your heart. These are going to be available at the back table. I would invite you to take one of these on your way and pray this week. Just pray. And ask the Lord. And here's the thing. Whether it be from the book of Genesis in that 11th chapter, whether it be from Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 1, when it indicated that all of the believers were in one accord, all of the believers were of one heart, all of the believers were of one mind. You could even look at Israel's history during the days of Ezra when it says the people came together as one man. As one man. We can do it. And God's going to do it through us. Together we are stronger. Together we are able in Him to accomplish what is before us. So I want to invite you to stand this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God's blessing and benediction. These will be at the back table. In fact, I'm going to ask Josh, would you just come and uh, pull that rubber band off, and you can set that on the back table back there. It's where the coffee mugs are. Uh, Stop by. Please, everyone, take one. And I I don't mean just, you know, if your mom and dad take one and you're a child, you take one too. It's everyone. I believe it is everyone. Now, husbands and wives, you're one. But what if all our young people said, you know what, I want to do something too. I'm going to do something, too. We believe that you should, and we believe that you can. So young adults, everyone participating, let's see what God does. Come next Sunday. Next Sunday, we will will be either, A, turning those in, if you've already written it down, if you already know. If you know even now, if you're already, you just know the voice of the Father. And he's already spoken. Hey, you can just fill that in. Set it right up here. There's a place for you to put your name. No one's following up on you. We're just believing God. It's between you and God. Does that make sense? We just want to encourage you. What a good day. Amen. Amen. Remember today is our afterglow as well. We want to invite you. There'll be a whole squadron of Hillside family that are moving up to uh, Godfather's Pizza. There's a group that's staying back to kind of break down and do some things. If you can help with that for a little while, that'd be marvelous. And then we're all heading up there to eat some food together, have some great fellowship. And I uh, just want to encourage you. Come back tonight, 6 o'clock. We'll be in Revelation chapter 8. We're walking through the scripture beginning next Sunday. We'll be back Sunday mornings in Revelation. want to encourage you to be a part of those opportunities to study the Word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we are so very thankful for Rick and Laurel Ellis, their son Daniel, who is here right now, and their their boys that are up in the Seattle area. And uh, Father, we are asking that you would bless them tremendously. Thank you, Father, that we are family. Thank you, Lord, that we are friends. Thank you that we get to build the kingdom of God while we wait for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are a generous God. Oh, you love the world so much that you gave. Lord, may we also be a reflection of your character being developed in us. Lord, I pray for just a spirit of generosity. Lord, where our hearts would just simply be filled with faith and we'd say, yes, God. Lord, we've seen it thus far, and we're just anticipating even more, God, for your glory and for your name'sake, Father, go before. May you bless our fellowship. May you bless the work of the kingdom of God in and through us. We love you, we praise you, and we ask, God, your blessing and benediction in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. 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 Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week in Jesus. God bless you.